This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. On this week's episode of And Friends, we taste something that none of us have tasted before. And that I hope to never taste again. They made me eat it. Oh, oh. oh God. <laughs> All that and more on And Friends. Listen to And Friends on Spotify, OPIShows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I don't like it. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon. Luke Costable is out for a drive. So while he's tooling around, we've invited our Buick specialist, Bill Kubik, back into the virtual studio here at the Car Guys Report warehouse. Uh, Bill has been a, a guest on our program. This will be the third time you've been on, Bill. So welcome back. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Um, I'm looking for the souvenir jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's the fifth time that you're on. You get the souvenir oh, jacket. Man. You get the uh, gold-plated business card holder for the third uh, third appearance. But uh, you have a big surprise when you make number ten on our on our podcast. So I won't tell you what that uh, what that uh, token is when when we reach that point. But um, really glad to uh, have you back. And for our listeners, uh, since the last time you've been on, we continue to do well, of course, in the United States and worldwide. We've uh, cracked into Luxembourg. We're doing very well uh, down under in Australia, and we've recently started to uh, show progress in Canada. So we're uh, covering a lot of ground, and just if in case people have forgotten who you are or what you're all about, uh, why don't you give us just a, a slight background of your experience with Buicks? We call you our nationally recognized Buick expert or specialist because that's pretty much what you are. So tell us a little bit more, again, about your background. Um, so, Mark, I, I grew up in a GM family, and uh, mostly Buicks and Cadillacs. And, and in fact, I, I figured it out uh, in my lifetime. I think there's only four years where I did not own, or my family did not own, a 1958 Buick. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and so uh, <laughs> it's a lot of years. <laughs> a lot of a lot of years, and, and some of those years, I've had multiple 1958 Buicks. I started driving one in high school. It was a special, and then uh, I've purchased a few more along the, the years, uh, another special and a Roadmaster, and uh, now a Limited I have as well. So uh, uh, quite a bit of experience, all with that uh, particular make of car and year of car. That has been my favorite. So it always brings back great high school memories of, of driving around with, with friends like you, Mark. And, oh, yeah, that's one uh, thing. We've been we've been friends since high school, so it's like 45 years almost already. It's amazing. <laughs> kind of scary when you think about that, but I know. it's been yep. that long. And But you have a lot of GM experience, too. Uh, on a previous episode with uh, Lou, uh, we were talking about about you a little bit. You came up in the conversation, and I said that you've also got a lot of Cadillac experience in your family as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my dad uh, used to buy Cadillacs mainly from guys from work. So we were like the second or third owner, but we had a, a 65 and a 67 and a 69 and a 76 Eldorado and uh, a lot of different, uh, uh, I won't say problems, but a lot of different uh, fun things with GM cars. Oh, yeah. And I love that 65 and especially the 67. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Those are were great cars. Now the '65 that was a was that a, a sedan Deville that you had? Or? That was a Calais. Okay, was it a four door though? It was a four door. Okay, Calais, yeah. but then the '67 was a Coupe Deville, right? Correct. Yeah. The 69 was a sedan. Yeah, that's the one that you drove for a while. And then the black, yep. I remember the black Eldorado. But that 67 was cool. Is that kind of aquamarine color with a black vinyl top, I believe? Yeah, kind of like a forest green. Almost, yeah. With a black leather interior, too. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. And that has the, the vertically stacked headlights, which I just think is such a cool look. Yeah, it was totally classic. And uh, the rear end was switched out, so it was a little bit faster okay. off the line. And uh, it had, the I think, the 429 yeah. in there. Um, so it was it was really it was a great car and a lot of fun to drive. Yeah, those are awesome. And and, and I've, as I said many times on our podcast, and I think you agree with me. I think they're coming up in price a little bit, but I think Cadillacs from the '60s have been underpriced for many years, and I think there's still really good values out there on, on the on the uh, collector market. I don't know mm-hmm. why that is. I think people might think they're expensive to restore or hard to get parts for but they're well-made cars and they're still a gm product so you're still gonna have a lot of support a lot of deep factory you know oh not factory but aftermarket support for those cars but they're really cool and then you've also been a judge at some of the buick uh, nationals correct yeah i have uh there was one in minneapolis a few years back and i was a, a judge uh for 1957 and 58 buicks uh, okay the class and so um, it, it's pretty rigorous. There's a it's a 400 point judging scale, wow. and you really you look for uh, very specific things. Some things are very commonly missed or, or incorrect on cars. But a lot of that you kind of have to go underneath the car. You have to go uh, under the hood and underneath the car itself just to make sure that the person is really restoring it. Because once you hit a certain number of points, you get to be called like a senior award. Where, yeah. And that's um, like know, the it, reputation of the of the club too. So if you're yep. not judging these things correctly, and someone's bragging about them being a you know a, a senior award or whatever, and it doesn't mm-hmm. pan out, then that makes everybody look bad. <laughs> yeah, well that's true, and then they even have like a judges training program too, so that if you don't know or haven't done judging before, they kind of go through what you need to do. They tell you what to look for, especially on the, the year or years of your classes and. They really try to make it uh, a well-done uh, program, too, so that so that people can restore and know how to restore their exactly. cars in the right and you're, way. And you're getting down, with a 400-point scale, you're getting down to a lot of the nitty-gritty where you're looking underneath the hood and you're, you're making sure that the like the hoses and the clamps are correct and mm-hmm. it's got you know, the, the right kind of accessories on it if it's a factory thing and if it's hooked up correctly. And, and even in the interior, don't you look at, like, even, like, the, the condition of the carpeting and maybe peek behind the dash to make sure there's not, like, some weird aftermarket thing hanging down from underneath there or something like yeah, that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And and whenever you hear, well, that's the way it came, yeah. <laughs> you just know that it's probably not correct. <laughs> yeah, because you and I have been attending car shows now for ages, and that's one of uh, our little like inside jokes is we'll be talking to somebody and, and looking at their car, and we know that some of the stuff on their car is incorrect, and they just go like, well, that's the way it came, so it's got to be right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, that's the way it came from the second or third or fourth owner that you bought it from, and <laughs> somewhere along the line. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, it changed. So, but good. I'm I'm glad you're back, and I wanted to talk a little bit. You haven't seen the car yet, but recently I purchased a brand new uh, 2020 uh, Dodge Challenger Scat Pack, and I was started to think when we were going to be um, 
you know, doing this session that you're probably thinking like, man, did you like, did, did, did Mark hit his head or something? Because for, for all the years that you've known me, I've been pretty much a, you know, an import guy. And, you know, obviously I've got the 58 Impala and I had the 51 Chevy pickup and I had the Corvette. So I had some American cars, uh, but the, the collector type, and this is actually the first brand new um, American built domestic car that I've ever bought. And, you know, I think I'm slowly coming around because I've always thought that the import cars are really cool and, and everything. But just in the last even 10 years, I think the quality and the features and the durability of a lot of the domestic makes have just really taken huge steps forward. And I was just interested in the Challenger because I just started thinking that I wanted a modern muscle car because, you know, we're not getting any younger and it's not like I'm trying to relive, you know, my 20s or something. But it it just, you know, I started thinking about this. I was talking with my girlfriend about it saying like, I don't know why anyone would want to spend, you know, 100000 or 125000 on a resto mod when you buy a modern muscle car, whether it be a Challenger or a Mustang or a Camaro, and you're getting, to me, you're getting 90 to 95% of what a resto mod would be. You might not be getting that totally classic look, but you're getting everything else that a rest and more than, than what a resto mod would have. It's, you're going to have the performance. You're going to have the the you're going to have more safety because the a resto mod was never designed with airbags or ABS brakes or anything like that. And you're going to be spending a third of the price, you know, or even a quarter of the price. And to me, it's just like it's a no brainer. You know, if I was to resto mod a 1970 Dodge Challenger versus you know buying a brand new one. I would take the new one because that's what I did. So yeah, well, and you also get the reliability. Exactly, get, modern, of, modern everything, reliability, and and you've got a car that's been designed to function as a whole. Whereas you know, resto mod, sure, you, you maybe a resto modding, you know, a Chevy like a '61 Impala or something. You want to put an LS engine in it, so you get a crate engine from GM, but that engine was never really engineered to go with the rest of the car. And when you buy something brand new and, and something that's that's current, everything has been engineered and designed to function as a whole. And I think that's really important. But, well, and then even even if you put a crate engine in there, you still have the old wiring. You still have the old rusty um, straps on your gas tank. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> well, it depends. All, all, if you're going to be spending 150000 on a resto mod, hopefully you'll get that stuff taken care of as well. Well, but. I don't know. I mean, you and I have seen cars for sale that didn't. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, and it's funny because I didn't even know this. It actually came out about a month or so after I, I purchased my car that for the first time ever, Dodge came out number one in the uh, J.D. Power uh quality satisfaction rankings for automakers and it's the first time ever that dodge has been number one they were not even in the top 10 or maybe even not even in the top 20 and here of course and i've kind of made me feel good because like you know literally like a month after i purchased my car dodge comes out as number one i'm like wow maybe i got it at the right time too because my car was built uh several months ago so obviously you know these these surveys come out every year approximately or maybe a little quicker than that. So I hope that, you know, the number one quality rating through J.D. Power will be reflected in the experience that I have with my car. But you've had a lot of Mopar experience. I've never had a Dodge before, so I'm totally new to the brand, except for my Fiat, which is obviously owned by, by you know, Chrysler is owned by Fiat. So I've had my two uh, Fiat 500s, but this is the first Dodge product that I've had. You've had 
several uh, Mopar products. You've had, what, two minivans or three minivans? And then you've had a couple of Sebrings, correct? Yeah, yeah. We had two two Sebrings, a 98 and then an 03. The 98 actually was very, very reliable. And really, all I did was change the oil, and I got it up to 297,000 miles. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and you know you you wouldn't think too that a car like that would last that long. Sebring convertibles is what they were, and those are made for like weekend driving and you know kind of just going out on a Sunday. And, yeah, just kind of a mid tier car that they that they had in their lineup. It wasn't considered a premium vehicle necessarily. And and your '98, I mean, that's already twenty years old, and you got that yeah. kind of service out of it. Then how much? Did, how many miles did you get on the on the two thousand and three? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. For some reason, uh, toward the end of its life, the speedometer was goofed up. And I don't know if I told you this story, Mark, but you would drive it somewhere. And depending on how far you would drive, you you turn it on, you drive. And then when you got to uh, your destination, you turn it off. When you came back out, it would register five or six more miles on the (laughs) odometer than you did when you stopped it. That's how you get a better gas mileage reading. (laughs) I know. I know. And and if you went like less than two or three miles, it would subtract <laughs> two or three miles from your odometer, too. So it was kind of goofy, and it was hard to tell exactly. And didn't you miles. say, too, that sometimes you'd like park it in your garage and you'd come out the next day and it would be like minus or plus where it was when you parked it? <laughs> like the yeah. gremlins at night are <laughs> going in there. And... Yeah, or like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Someone's out there trying to. <laughs> zooming around in my Sebring overnight. I don't know. And I remember the the one odd thing about that car, the only thing that wasn't real user-friendly was the location of the battery was like behind the passenger side front fender or something like that? Yeah, the, the driver's side. Yeah, you had to take the wheel well off okay. in order to get the, the battery off. So that was not very convenient. And I guess they couldn't um, put it in the trunk because of the top mechanism, probably? I, I guess so, yeah. Um, I, although, I mean, they, they did have a spare tire place, so they probably could have put a little bit of space in there for yeah. holding the battery as well. But, yeah, but they didn't. But then, so. yeah, we, we also had a couple of minivans, too. We had a, both town and country's uh, Chrysler's. Um, that was top of uh, the line. Yeah, right. And and those were very nice. They had leather seats and very comfortable on the road. And, and at the time, too, we had three kids, and so then there was no fighting. And uh, that, that was something that I always had to... <laughs> to deal with in our car yeah we had we had three kids and we had to all sit in the back seat so we kind of would draw imaginary lines on the seat <laughs> and make sure no one was crossing the line before we'd uh you know mom wallop, bill's touching me again <laughs> <laughs> he's on my side yeah. <laughs> yeah so but you, so overall you've had a pretty good uh experience with dodges or, or mopars yeah yeah, yeah and, and you've never had them in your family prior to that have you your, your parents never had any um, they did. My dad had a 1960 Dodge. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and, and that was like <laughs> that was the first uh, accident that I was in when I was, <laughs> I was a kid. Wow. Where, yeah, my, my dad and I were driving back from the barber, and uh, it was kind of slick. It was starting to snow, and he was start, trying to stop, and he kind of went into the intersection a little bit because he couldn't stop, and uh, a lady hit us. Wow. Did that total the car then back then, or...? The, the the whole front fender was pushed in, yeah. Okay. We considered it total. Yeah. We just got rid of it then. Yeah, I think my dad, because, uh, you know, my dad, uh, growing up as a kid, he was a, an import guy, but then pretty much a, just a, uh, a GM guy uh, over the years. You know, we had Buicks, Oldsmobiles when I was a kid. Uh, he had one Ford back in 57, which he had a terrible experience with, and he bought that car brand new. And I think back, 
back in the early 50s. I think he had a, a Plymouth or two along the lines. So he has a, had a little bit of Mopar experience as well. But I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing how my experience is. I've got all of 200 miles on the car right now. So it's still <laughs> it's still in the honeymoon <laughs> phase, I guess. But, um, you know, hopefully it'll be a, a good experience um, for me. So as, have you done any donuts in there yet? No, I got to they, they actually tell you in the in the. Um, in the owner's manual, because, you know, this car is made to uh, basically, you know, since it's the scat pack, it's the 392, 485 horsepower. Uh, Dodge knows that a lot of these buyers of this car are going to take it to the drag strip or take it to the track. And they just really stress in the owner's manual, you know, don't do any of this stuff until you have at least 1,500 miles on the car. Because <laughs> it's got line lock on it, which... Uh, locks the front brakes but keeps the rear uh open so you can just sit there and floor it and get the you know spin the tires and get them warmed up <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cool. yeah i'm looking forward to, to trying that out at some point and then obviously it's got it's got a launch control so that you can set like what rpm you want to launch the car at and stuff it's got a lot of really cool like computerized stuff which is which is Pretty awesome tech, yeah. it is yeah it's awesome and i mean that's what's so cool about uh, the cars today, you couldn't do that with a with a restaurant. I don't think you could do the computer pro. You know, get some kind of aftermarket line lock thing or something. It'd be probably like a mechanical type thing. So it's amazing what they can do with all the electronics. And like I said, I'm 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 looking forward to <laughs> beating on it, not beating on it, but having some fun with it. Definitely, um, you know, as as the days go on. If you like the Car Guys Report, be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. It's available on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com. You can also uh, check it out on radiomisfits.com. You can also Google us direct at Car Guys Report, and you'll find us all over on the Internet, lots of places to download our programs. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter and email us as well. Our email inbox open 24-7 at carguysreports at hotmail.com. That's our email address. And, Bill, I know that we've had some positive feedback uh, uh, the Two previous times that you've been on the program, people uh, really enjoy the depth of knowledge that uh, you you uh, give us uh, regarding uh, Buicks and 58s in general. So it's good to hear. to hear. Yeah, it's it's good yeah. to hear the the positive feedback. I did want to uh, talk a little bit about my recent car buying experience with the Challenger. I had a, a couple of things that I wanted to, to make note of, and you can you know chime in and agree with me uh, whenever you want. Um, obviously, everyone, especially since we're we're still kind of in a lockdown during the worldwide pandemic, that uh, online uh, you know research and car buying has really taken off. And I have I've purchased cars online before, but used cars you know where I find it at a dealer. Then I I don't actually complete the transaction online, but I find the car and I. I, you know, contact the dealer then. But in this case, I was just looking for inventory to see what was out there. And it's really interesting because I think, you know, I was on sites like cars.com and auto trader and things like that. And there's so many dealers out there nationwide that will advertise a car and they'll do one of two things. They'll either apply every single incentive that 
the manufacturer is offering and and deduct that from their list price so they can advertise a super low price but there's no way that any one person would qualify for all those five or six different incentives because they have stuff like for realtors for for you know medical personnel for first responders for you know you'd have to be like a jack of all trades left-handed red-haired exactly yeah and and you know that way they can advertise this like super low price so then so that's one thing that that i learned pretty quick and then a couple of times i emailed a dealer to see if they had a car that was listed online in stock or still in, still around because i understand that you know stuff sells but in almost every case that i emailed a dealer they'd say like oh we don't have that car anymore well then take it down and take it off your damn website then you know, I mean, because you can tell, and, and even like weeks later, it'd still be there after I had emailed about it. And they just keep the stuff up there as like a, a come on for you. And then the other thing is, even though I didn't opt into any of this stuff, a couple of the dealers that I emailed, you know, after I, I get an answer for them saying, you know, it's been sold, they keep sending me bullshit updates on, you know, oh, we have a sale on Ram pickup trucks or, you know, here's the latest deal on a Dodge Charger. I'm like, I don't want that. You know, so you have to, it's just ridiculous. And like one dealer I emailed that was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And again, I was asking him, you know, do you still have this car in stock? And the guy, whoever it was, some Yahoo salesperson at the dealer has kind of like this, you know, can, you know, response. And he says like, when can you come in and check out the car? And I'm like, didn't you read my email? I said, I'm in Illinois, not Tulsa. Yeah, I'll pop over tomorrow afternoon. I'll drive 800 miles and... It's just like, and then another one too, and you got to be real careful. This one was actually, I think, in in Kansas City or Independence, Missouri, that they had a, a challenger that looked interesting, and I was just about to email them. Then I got down to the fine print, and it says like every car you buy from whatever it was like Stateline Motors or something like that comes with a thirteen hundred dollar appearance package, and it's just like you know twenty dollars worth of paint sealant and some bullshit you know wheel cleaner or something, and they're charging you thirteen hundred bucks on every car they sell. So that's like this wow. stupid you know dealer markup crap. So it's just like well screw you. So. I was just about to contact uh, the dealer that I bought my Fiat from because they're also a big um, uh, Mopar dealer, and they didn't really have too much in stock, but I was actually was almost to the point where I wanted to work with them to say, can you either just source me a car, you know, because the dealers can do it easier than you can from your computer. They have, like, they're plugged into, like, the whole inventory nationwide, and they can kind of tell what's out there and things like that. I was about to contact them and see if they could either do that or if worse came to worse, just order a car. Um, But what I decided to do right before that is I decided to do a search for um, top rated uh, dealers in, in, in our area. Cause I didn't, cause some of the, there's actually, you know, I won't name names, but there's some dealers that I would just not do business with in our, in the Chicago area. And I wanted to see what dealer Raider would say, because dealer Raider is fairly accurate, I think. So I, I went to the top five dealers and I checked their inventory. And actually um, on one of them is ended up being the car that I bought. There was uh, advertised a 2020 uh, Challenger scat pack. And it literally had every option that I wanted without anything that I didn't want. So it'd be just like if I had ordered the car and it was the right color, indigo blue, which is one of the colors I was considering. So obviously I contact the dealer to see if it's real. 
And they actually said, you know, at first they said, oh, well, I don't know if that car is for sale. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, it was, somebody ordered that, and I, I don't know if we're, we're allowed to sell it. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go again. But, yeah. you know, he goes, let me check with my manager. You know, and he <laughs> checks with his manager. And he comes back on the phone. He goes, yeah, it's here. And, and, you know, I said, well, I'll be out in the afternoon to check it out. So long story short, what happened was this was a car that a customer ordered, and there was some kind of uh, issue they had with his trade-in because it, he had some kind of uh, uh, classic car, collector car they wanted to trade, and they couldn't arrive on a like a valuation for it. So they so the guy basically forfeited the order. So they had this car in stock, and you know it's, it's funny because on the uh, window sticker it actually says this car built especially for you know Stanley Kowalski or whatever the guy's name was. <laughs> and I'm like, not anymore. <laughs> it's built for me because I bought it. But they had it in stock, and you know I, I looked at it, and it's like, yeah, this is totally cool. And I don't have to wait because with the shutdown too, this car was built in. March, and I think what it was, it, it was built, uh, they're building the cha- uh, Challengers up in Brampton, Ontario, and the car was completed in March, and I think it sat in a, a lot or something, a, a storage yard for several, for a couple months before it got shipped to the dealer because of the shutdown, you know, because they shut down the plants and transportation was screwed up. And I also started thinking that since the car dealers are just starting to ramp up production, I don't know how long it would take if I would have had to order a car, because this car took like five months as it was. It was ordered back wow. towards the end of the year. So it could take at least that, if not longer, to get another one. So I'm glad it just kind of works out sometimes. If you just kind of play your cards right and maybe, you know, wait a little bit longer. But the the funniest, uh, the two funniest stories about um, the car, the negotiations didn't go too badly. Um, But at one point, um, we're we're getting down to the nitty gritty. And my salesperson says, see those people over there? And it's like across because everyone was like socially distant. So they're across the dealer and there's like this husband and wife. He goes, they're just waiting for you to say no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I started thinking like, okay, so these are probably like prop customers, actors they bring in to like just walk around in the dealer and sit down at different desks to make it look like they're making a dealer, a deal with somebody. So the, so the salesman can say, see those people over there? They're just waiting for you to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if, sure. Yeah, are. sure they are. So <laughs> there's no way his wife would let him yeah, Exactly. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I don't know if that was really true or not, but it was kind of funny because, you know, maybe they were in the same boat I was. They were just waiting to find the right car and that was the right one. But mm-hmm. um, the only thing they really tried to push on me was the uh, factory extended warranty. And it was hilarious. And this is a, like a story that you would be telling me uh, when you're in the, the, one like the business office and they're just rolling through all the stupid paperwork and it's like it's like having a mortgage even though you're paying cash for the car you still got to sign your name about 20 times on all these forms and the guys the guy's giving me the hard sell on the extended warranty and uh and i said you know look i'm gonna be driving this car like two thousand miles a year i don't need an extended warranty and he goes really you're passing 98 percent of my customers take the extended warranty i can't believe it and I'm like, well, believe it, I'm not taking it. Oh, boy, I just think you're making a mistake. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, uh, if the car is built so well, why do, you have to, why do you need an extended warranty, you know? And it's just yeah. like, whatever. You know, it's a, it would have been like another $1,800 for a seven-year warranty. It already has a oh, five-year yeah. 
it has a five-year powertrain warranty. You know, obviously, me, the mileage doesn't make any difference. I want the time. So it's got a three-year bumper-to-bumper warranty, then a five-year powertrain warranty. And if I'm doing 2,000 miles a year on it, I should be fine. But he was just, like, so flabbergasted. He's like, you're passing? I can't believe it. <laughs> it's just like you couldn't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, I believe it. I'm one of the 2% that don't take it. So, <laughs> what's... Yeah, that's like the, the BMW dealers that I bought my car at. You're not taking the, the, the package that allows you to get oil changes? Because that even concludes brakes. Do you do brakes? Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> Nobody does brakes anymore. I, I, I can't believe <laughs> These are BMW brakes. You know what you're, you know what you're getting into yeah, on yeah, that? Yeah. Well, there's still a rotor and there's a caliper and yeah. there's pads. You know, they have, they have pads on there, right? Yeah. And I think I do. <laughs> I know. It's it's hilarious. Um, but, you know, other than that, there wasn't any markup, you know, and there wasn't any bullshit stuff like an appearance package or anything like that. And I actually did talk him into a couple of free oil changes, so... <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I did okay. So so that was that, and the car's been great, you know, and like I said, I've only got a couple hundred miles on it, but so far, so good. And I've got the Corvette, which was the car that the Challenger's replacing. The Corvette's currently up on consignment up in uh, the place that I go to in Grand Rapids, so hopefully that'll sell at one point or another. But you're the one that actually turned me on to consignments uh, several years ago, and I had never really thought about it until you did it and you had really good luck with it and i like it just because it gets rid of your car gets it out of your garage it's out of sight out of mind until they get a buyer you you strike the deal and they send you a check yeah and you're done yeah right yeah you don't have to worry about credit checks you don't have to worry about scammers they just they take care of it all for you exactly and you don't have to sit there and waste your time with people that say they're going to come out and look at the car and they never show up and yeah, especially yeah. today too. Unfortunately, you do have to worry about you know scammers and bad checks and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah it's it's totally worth a little bit extra, uh, a little bit extra effort up front to either get the cart up to the consignment place or shipped up there, and then you got to pay them a little bit to put it on consignment. But it's well worth it in the long run. It really is. And yeah. to me, it's the only way to get rid of any kind of you know collector or vintage or classic type car so definitely i i appreciate uh you having turned me on to that we have sanitized all opi shows for your protection but you should still be wearing a mask help prevent the spread of covid19 by following the cdc guidelines i know bill you've got your mask on right now and so do i you will be saving the world and be sure to wash your hands that's what we're going to do right now we've got uh, a little bit of time to take a break and we'll be right back after this. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Fido or your phone. Just call me by my radio name, Chris P. Cream. You can't wear that mask to school. My brush with Anne Margaret. All that and many, many other tangents. You can listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You. What's the point, Steve? That's what I'm wondering. What's the point of this book? Border Collie over here staring at me. Is it because of the blue shirt that I have on? We'll get into that and other things about how we might be spending too much time on our mobile devices, do you think? Wait a minute, I'm getting a call. On the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury 
and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with our Buick specialist, Bill Kubik, on the program. Today, we've had uh, such a great time uh, talking about all things automotive so far. And we're at the point in the program, we do it on uh, every episode of the Car Guys Report, where we like to talk about a car that's... uh, either for sale or recently sold on a line that I find either on like Hemmings.com or bring a trailer, things like that. And since we've got uh, Bill Kubik, our Buick specialist on board for this episode, I found a 1958 <laughs> Buick Super 8 Riviera Sport Coupe. Now, um, I made some notes on this, Bill, and I wanted to go over the stuff the notes that I I noticed that things were wrong with the car are not correct right. and see if you obviously you, I know you'll have pointed out all this stuff on your own but I want to see how how correct I am in, in the things this was on yeah, Hemmings yeah and now first of all is a Super 8 Riviera Sport Coupe is that a correct uh, designation for this car because I know I know what a Buick Super is but then the, the 8 Riviera part I don't really understand is that correct yeah, so- Eight probably refers to eight cylinders, yeah. but there was no other engine uh, available, so it's kind of not really part of the, and, the model. Name and GM would have, yeah, would never called it that, right? No. And then a sport coupe, there's no such thing either. Okay. It would be a, a two-door Riviera Super. That's it. That's okay. The and it's the and it's the the Super, I believe, is the larger body style, the one Correct. with the Roadmaster, and then the Limited, right? Yeah. And the Correct. Special and the Century had the smaller body correct okay and when we say smaller and larger in relation to a 58 buick it's not like it's there's not that much difference if you you know the untrained eye won't notice the differences but it's what the 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 height of the windshield that like the roof is taller i believe and yeah and then the car is a little bit wider okay kind of like a a b body versus a c body okay um so it's a little bit it's it's really the same design the same stuff but Certain parts and certain dimensions are a little bit wider or a little bit taller. Okay, like the, exactly. Like the windshield, like it's yeah, called, yeah, just puffed up a little bit, so to speak. Correct. Um, yep. Now, on this car, um, it's on Hemmings for about $21,000. And some of the stuff that I noticed uh, inside, it looked like there was some kind of weird add-on horn button or something on the left side of yeah. the dash. And yeah, and I don't know if that's a horn button or an alarm or a, I don't know what it would be. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you saw that, and then uh, the red padded cloth seats with what looked like white leather is definitely not original. Yeah, they looked horrible. Yeah, the dash and the steering wheel were painted body color along with the dash pad. That's not correct. Correct. Okay, yeah. it looked like it had the correct long battery in it. The mm-hmm. the correct twelve volt long. Is there a name for that? That special, I mean, it's a 12 volt battery, it's just really long, yeah. And the model is 3E, okay. Um, but yeah, they, they use it in, in 58, yeah, because you see a lot of 58s with other batteries that are you know the wrong size, they just jam them in there. So it's nice to see the, the right battery. Uh, yeah. the green paint on the engine looked like to me at least, it looked like it was one or two shades too dark. Did you notice yeah. that? I, I, I. I wasn't sure, and I, I, yeah. I thought maybe it was like a shadow or the, the lighting. Or maybe, the yeah, maybe the camera or something. But, yeah, yeah. It, to me it looked a little bit too dark. And to me the exterior trim looked pretty okay. I noticed a little bit of overspray on some of the door hinges, so the car's been obviously repainted. Is that an original color, this uh, whatever they call it? Uh, I don't know what no. they called it. In, yeah, it's like a deep purple kind of a color. Yeah, or, or a maroon or something. 
Yeah, no, that's not original. Port wine maroon is what they call it. Yeah, that's not original color at all. Okay, it's just, it has 92,000 miles on it. Um, the trim looked like it was in okay condition. It looked pretty correct. It, it didn't look like there was anything amiss uh, in regards to that, the wheel covers look good. Uh, it's funny because in the one main picture, there's like a reflection on the hood. It almost looks like it has louvers cut into the hood, but it doesn't. It's just some weird reflection off the top of the, the hood that makes it look like it's got louvers on it. But yeah. I, I guess the big question here, did you notice anything else that I didn't bring up or I didn't notice uh, in regards to the, the originality or the stuff that's either correct or not correct on this car? Yeah, there, there's a few things. Um, the, it was missing the back license plate frame. There should be some stainless steel that kind of goes around the license okay. plate itself in kind of like a square shape. Um, then there, the headlights, uh, kind of above the headlights, the headlights themselves are hooded, mm-hmm. and kind of above them there's a piece of stainless steel that kind of goes up and around and then kind of makes a bend and kind of goes down the side. And that's always fender. painted body color if people don't know what they're doing, and, and this car was body yeah, color. Yeah, well, and, and the, the stainless piece cracks right between the two headlights. Okay. And it looks like this was one of those cars, and they actually replaced a little piece. It, it looks like they put a, a patch of stainless steel that kind of sticks up which is about maybe two inches long to cover up that cracked stainless steel piece. Okay. <laughs> so it looks like there's almost like two kind of extra trim pieces attached to the original underlying okay. stainless. Wow. So that was kind of weird. Yeah. And anything um, else? Uh, did you notice anything else in the interior that didn't look correct? Or Yeah, the, the hood ornament, the uh, V hood ornaments look like they were gold toned. That didn't look oh, that's right not right. Me. Yeah. Um, the there was the wrong uh, air cleaner housing. Okay. Uh, a different uh, incorrect power steering pump. The battery itself was flipped around. The uh, when you when you stand by the front fender on the driver's side, the positive terminal should be on the left and the negative terminal on the right. But the battery itself was flipped around. And you can kind of tell because the the cables didn't quite fit the way they had it. Oh, okay. Kind of like moved around. Um. The the dashboard itself on the interior. There, there should be lettering that says lighter and key and, um, you know, all the, the, the vent things, yeah. all the, the kind of what, what you do. That, that was painted the same uh, body color as okay, well. Yeah, that's they, weird. They, they should have black lettering yeah. in there so that you can read them. Yeah. I've, um, I've seen that on Impalas, 258 Impalas, that, you know, my car has an original uh, interior and the, you know, my car is uh, Sierra Gold, which is kind of that coppery, bronzy color, and the dashboard is more of a gold, and that's correct. But I've seen a lot of 58 Impalas that have been repainted, maybe in original color, but then they do the same thing they did with this 58 Buick, is they paint the dashboard body color, and that's not right. Yeah, And it just annoys right. me, you know, as, as I'm sure it annoys you too, because it's like, you know, they're so proud of it. I'm like, well, that's not correct. Yeah. Well, and then this, this, I also noticed, and this is not really an incorrect thing, but on the right-hand side of the carburetor, it looks like there's just like a spring laying on the intake manifold. Yeah. So it's just so disconnected? I, yeah. So I don't know <laughs> what that is. It's just kind of laying there. Huh. Like, well, I think, I think you might need that. Yeah. Like the accelerator <laughs> pedal maybe? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You know, this thing just doesn't have the get-up-and-go that it used to. And <laughs> What uh, transmission would that have in it, too? Um, it's... Standard, it would be a Dynaflow. Okay. You could get the flight pitch if you wanted. Okay, to and you can tell that by the the lettering on the quadrant. Yeah, right. It's it's Prindle versus Pindler. Okay, <laughs> Pindler. <laughs> I love it. So that's where the reverse and drive are like right next to each other. Yeah, or low and reverse. Yeah. Is the Dynaflow, and then there's a G in there, 
uh, if it's a Adina, or sorry, okay. if it's a, a flight pitch. And is it an urban legend, or is it true that they d- they put the reverse and the low next to each other? So if you get like stuck in a ditch, or and you're trying to rock your car, you just go back and forth between the two, or is that? That's what I've heard. I, I haven't heard anything specific from like the factory, but but that's what a lot of people have told me that that's kind of they did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, so the big question, Bill, this 1958 Buick Super 8 Riviera Sport Coupe uh, on sale at Hemmings.com for $20,999. How much would you pay? <laughs> well, um, I, one other interesting thing before I get into that, it was in Calais, Maine. I looked yeah, it up. yeah, it was in Maine. Yeah, is it way is, up there somewhere? Right by New Brunswick. Wow. Right across the border. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's so, way, way so a lot of shipping involved if you're going <laughs> to buy that yeah, car right. somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Or take a really, really long uh, road, weekend road trip. trip. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It seems pretty high for me. The, the, the paint looked nice, I suppose. And, and I guess if I was not a stickler for all these things that we found wrong, maybe it's fair, but I guess. Uh, I, I would say maybe 15 yeah. to 17. I yeah, guess. okay. Yeah, I was thinking maybe 15 because it wouldn't take, it doesn't look, if you can live with the incorrect interior, and it's not as bad as some that I've seen, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, you've seen a lot worse. Um, it wouldn't take that much to get this car tweaked up a little bit to, you know, correct some of the things that are that are not right on it. I mean, it looks like it presents pretty well, but again, especially being that color, you'd really have to see it in person. To, to see yeah. if there's bondo or you know you know how straight the body is, and it had no underneath shots either, so I have no idea yeah. what, the, what the chassis uh, looks like. Right, or the trunk, I know. Yeah, that. yeah, you're right. Like that. Yeah, so you don't know if there's cardboard missing or if it's got you know incorrect um, you know matting in there or whatever. And yeah, yeah, or, or it's all rusty. You don't even know. Yeah, that. exactly. You don't know. So, um, but I just thought this would be a fun car to talk about because obviously you, you've shown all our listeners uh, once again that you're the man when it comes to <laughs> 58 Buicks. So that's why we refer to you as our Buick specialist here on the Car Guys Report. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Like the show, back to you. It's an OPI show legendary chicago tv personalities howard sudbury and steve baskerville talk about their daily adventures and the long list of things that bug them you can listen to back to you on spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search radio misfits and that's where you'll find that program as well as this program the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with our buick specialist bill cubic uh lou costable is off uh, on a drive so bill has uh graciously uh uh, come back as our guest. This is his third time on the program. We're having just such a, a great time talking about all kinds of things here on the Car Guys Report. And, you know, it's been a weird car show summer, the the, the summer that never was as far as car shows. There's some um, cars and coffees and cruise nights starting to trickle back, but I personally am not going to go anywhere near those things because, you know, I'm still playing it safe during this pandemic. And, you know, what I think it's given a lot of people is time to work on their cars since they're not driving them that much. I've just been busy just trying to drive all my cars and keep them exercised. I don't really have any huge projects going right now except for the Firebird, but that's another story, a story for another time. But, you know, it seems like everything is stacked up 
uh, or cascaded maybe with with your car, uh, Bill. You have a, the 58 Limited, and it just seems all of a sudden things started happening in the spring. And maybe it's good timing because um, you're able to tackle all these problems at once. So I'll just start. I have it on our outline here. Um, you have issues. You were going to get your radio rebuilt. Then you had issues with your generator and your power steering pump and then your power seat. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the adventures there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it certainly has been. And, and you're right, the timing is great because uh, there's not many places to drive it. And so it's, it's probably a good thing that it's all happening now. Um, it it kind of started when I picked up the Limited from storage this spring. Uh, the power steering pump was completely empty, the reservoir, wow. uh, and and that had never happened before. I mean, uh, I, I um, restored the car probably 25 years ago, yeah. and it's been great ever since. So that was kind of weird. I filled it up, uh, and then I got it back home after driving it from the storage location and found out that it was leaking pretty badly. Um, there's some seals that go underneath the reservoir, as well as the, the car came with air ride, and so there's kind of a shaft that drives both the power steering pump and also the air compressor for the air ride suspension on there. And that also and is running your generator, too, isn't it? Or do you have a separate? Uh, generator, yeah. No, it's, it's not a generator. Also. Okay, because the not a separate okay, cause my Impala, 58 Impala, has the generator and the power steering pump as one hmm. unit. Okay. With, well, yeah, with one shaft running. So similar yeah. to the way you have it with the air, air poise. Yeah. So so anyway, and, and there's an oil seal between the two units as they're bolted together, mm-hmm. and I think I think that seal is bad because it was also not only leaking out from underneath the reservoir, but there's like a vented nut in front of everything that goes onto the, the pulley itself, and and power steering pump or power steering fluid was spraying out of there as wow. it was running around under yeah. pressure. I, I I guess I don't think it's under pressure though because it's a vented. Nut. Oh okay, huh. And so, and your power steering hoses were okay. Yeah, the hoses are good. I replaced those twenty years. Oh, ago. Oh, you did? Okay, They're still good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so anyway, so I, I I was kind of like stuck because I wanted to drive the car, but without power steering, it's pretty tough, and the car's pretty big and uh, kind of a, an armful to to drive around. So. Armstrong power steering. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So so I went in my basement and I had a parts car Roadmaster uh, many years ago, and I saved the power steering pump, and so. Um, I took it out, I cleaned it up, I repainted it, cleaned out all the grease, cleaned out the, a little bit of rust in there, put it back together, painted the brackets, took off the old power steering pump that had the, the two units in one mm-hmm. for the air ride, and put it back on, and poof, just like that, it works. Wow. So in the meantime, though, I'm, I'm starting to look for replacement parts, because I think it's cool to have that air compressor underneath mm-hmm. the hood. And a lot of people ask about that at car shows, too, wondering so, what that is. So you don't have that now? With the replacement, okay. Yeah, um, and so I, I was actually able to find the uh, the oil seal through an NOS parts place online, and they want two hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! For it's about a one inch seal, one inch just for the outer. seal. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. It's, it's one inch outer <laughs> diameter, half an inch shaft diameter. Wow! So I kept looking around, and believe it or not, I found three of them on eBay also in the original boxes, uh, and they were from Oldsmobile, but the part number's the same. Okay, sure. For, guess how much? Uh, 30 bucks. Eight. Eight dollars, wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, that's, uh, the first one you found, was that on eBay, or was it just... Uh... 
It was just a dealer themselves. Okay. Well, any, yeah, okay. Let's see, that, that's where they try to screw you over because they know it's a, a hard part to find, and when you need it, you need it. So they're really trying to take advantage of you. That's BS. <laughs> I know. So, so I'm getting three of them on Monday. Good, good. And you ordered three. That's it. So you're going to rebuild that other unit then too? So you'll have yeah, a spare? That, that, yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm going to do. So, um, yeah, and so eight bucks for three of them is a good deal. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Take your $250, pal, and shove it up your butt. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then so, the radio. So you... it, yeah, so the, the radio, um, this is toward the end of last summer. The radio, I was riding around in a car, and all of a sudden I smelled kind of like a burning circuit board smell. Yeah. And the radio was kind of cutting in and out, and I thought, well, maybe it was like a bad tube or something. But then I smelled that smell, and it's like, no, something's shorting out of mm-hmm. there. So I took it out, and sure enough, I saw a few uh, kind of like melted components, and I saw like some black spark areas on, on some sure. of the areas where the you know, connections so, I think it was the capacitors so, probably that finally cracked. Yeah, right? right, because they, apparently they made them out of paper yeah. with like some wax or something yeah. like that between them. And over 60 years old, uh, you can see how they would kind of deteriorate and the wax would melt and things And just so people know, too, um, you know, for the younger people that might be listening to the podcast, no offense uh, towards them, but, um, you know, this is a tube radio that's in your car, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And it's also the Wonder Bar radio, too, right? The automatic tuning. Yeah. Yeah, you can push a button on the floor or there's a button on the radio itself that will search to the next station. Yeah, and that there's is... A, there's a sensitivity setting, so you can go for the smaller ones, too, or just the... the that is cool. And that they were yeah. doing that 60 years ago. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so now your radio, you sent your radio away, and you're still waiting to get it back because you're not sure what's going on with the repair guy, or... So I do have an update there. Yeah, he's, he's an, uh, kind of a specialist in radio repair that advertises in the Buick magazine uh which is a monthly magazine and so i sent it off to him in november yeah <laughs> and um so then you know i i called him like in january and he says oh yeah um i haven't gotten to it yet uh and then i called him in february and he says oh I, i'm having some mold issues in my house so i haven't gotten to it yet and then it was quiet yeah and i'm thinking oh crap how yeah. it happened yeah he's an older guy is, is he still with us? Uh, so I started looking for obituaries. <laughs> wow. Well, you know. You, you, you never know. know. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, if he lives by himself, I, I'm starting to worry, am I going to get my radio back? Yeah. Um, so I luckily I did not find anything. And he was, you know, radio silence for about, I mean, no pun intended, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but radio silence for about a month. And then finally toward the end of April, I called him again and he answered. Wow. And so he said, luckily, I mean, not luckily, but he had some health issues dealing with that mold. And I guess oh, he's okay, yeah. allergic with that, and he had to spend some time, time in the hospital. But wow. it was not COVID. That's good. So that's good. And he says, okay, I promise I'm going to work on it. I, I should have it in maybe two, three weeks. Okay. So then, <laughs> then <laughs> that was a little, you know, back in April. Yeah, and then months times, ago. And then June comes, and I call him again. I said, hey, you know, you said it was going to be ready in a couple of weeks. I still haven't gotten it. Well, it's finished. Oh, I want I wanted to send it out with this other guy's radio, so I don't have to make so many trips to the post office. And hopefully, he'll send you your radio, and not the other guy's radio. <laughs> well, that was that was June. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be horrible. Yeah. I get like a nineteen forty seven. Yeah, what's this? <laughs> Doesn't fit. <laughs> 
So he said well, it, what, like fourth class media mail or something, and you're still waiting? <laughs> we're still waiting, and now it's the end of, uh, yeah. you know, when, when we're recording this, it's, it's six weeks later, yeah. and it's like, oh, come on, man. Wow. Well, at least you so, got through to the guy, and hopefully it's somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, And then the last story is I was working on my power seats. Well, the um, generator, too. Wait, we got to talk about that. Well, I, I will. They, they, it's caused by the... Oh, okay, issue. okay. <laughs> So, and I have a I have so, a, a quick Impala story about about electrical issues too that I want to share with you when you're done with that. So okay, all right. So so I thought I would try to get my power seats working because uh, they hadn't worked. The front seat is a six way power seat in that car. I thought it always uh, worked. Had it did recently stop working or no? It, it never did. Oh, it did okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. So it's like okay, well I, I've got some time. I fixed the power steering. The radio's off for fix, so I'll, I'll go fix on this. And so uh, the wires go through. The kind of like the underneath the dash, and then they go through and into the door because the door is where the power uh, seat switch is. Mm-hmm. And so I looked there, and all of the wires for the power seat mechanism were cut. Huh? That was cut by someone other than me. I didn't. Yeah. Do it well, that would the cars. tell you why it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh, easy. I'll, I'll just hook up these wires again, and then I should have a working power seat. Well, easier said than done because the wires themselves. Looked like someone had replaced parts of them, so uh, they weren't the right colors. Yeah. Oh. So I didn't know if blue went to blue or blue went to orange. Yeah. Because they there's like three orange ones to choose from. So, so I thought, well, that's that's too much because right? I'd have to trace down each one of these wires, and there's like eight or ten wires for each of the direct directions and the solenoids that control stuff. And so I said, well, I'll do that some other time. And I put it back together and put it in the door. Well, apparently one of the pieces of tape that I put on the power line fell off. Okay. And somehow that main power lead for the power seat switch touched the dome light actuator. Okay. Caused a power <laughs> surge there, which blew out all my God, dome lights. And you had sent me a, a, an email uh, recently, and you showed me the, the, the bulbs were actually melted down to, like, their base, yeah, basically inside yeah. the bulb. Yeah, because you have, like, that glass insulator, and then coming out of the insulator, you have those two little arms. The prongs, the yeah, and then the filament, yeah. between there, yeah. And that was well, gone. The filament, the filament was gone, and the arms themselves were, gone. were melted yeah. down to the flat to the <laughs> insulator inside. They were gone. Wow. And the fuse was blown, and it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so then, uh, so I... When, I, when that happened, the ammeter shot way up to overcharging... And so I thought initially, I thought, well, maybe my voltage regulator, like the, the contacts froze shut. Yeah. I've heard that that happens sometimes, you know, especially because it's a mechanical. The old mechanical system. ones, yeah. Yeah. So I started looking at that and I said, okay, well, maybe I've got a, a voltage regulator in the basement and I've got a different generator I can throw in there. So I got a rebuilt generator in there and I got a new, uh, new, uh, new to the car, at least, um, voltage regulator from my Roadmaster parts car. And it's a little bit better, um, but it's still overcharging a little huh. bit, according to the spec book. So it's, you know, usually the ammeter should be just a little bit to the right, yeah. a little bit more than, you know, 12 volts, which is in the center. But it's it's reading, um, I've got my thing here, it's reading like 14.3, 14.2 volts, which is on the high end of what the, the, the spec book says. Okay. 
So it seems to be okay, but for a while my battery was like kind of boiling over. And there, really, um, wow, yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure if the battery is wrecked now or because um, I, I fixed in the meantime. I fixed that you know the the voltage right the sorry the the power steering power line, and so that's not shorting out anymore. And I replaced the bulbs and I replaced the fuse that were blown out. Um, and like I say, the, the ammeter is a little bit down now. It's not as high as it yeah. used to be, but I wonder if I damaged the battery now. Well, you'd have to um, load test it, really. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, that's the one where you still have to – it's not a maintenance-free battery, right? You still have to add uh, water to it? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to overcharge a battery, it would have to be, I think, a, a fairly long-term thing. I think if it only did it for – you know, one drive or whatever you were doing with it. I don't think that would totally uh, destroy the battery. How old is the battery, though? Well, I just bought it at the beginning of the season. Oh, you did? Wow, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's 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 brand new. I mean, on the top of the battery, though, you do see that residue of kind of like the acidy, watery yeah. kind of substance there that, you know, it's it's not total liquid, but you can see that it's, it's there. Huh. And... I guess I'm a little bit worried. I haven't driven it very far since then. I've just driven it around the neighborhood. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be enough know. to destroy your battery. I mean, because 14.2 volts isn't that high. Well, it's not like you're putting shot, what a what a shot all oh, the way up. Though. Yeah, but that was just temporary, though, right? I mean, that, yeah. that I still don't think that'd be enough to because if because it was going to do anything, it would it would short the battery out, and you'd know right away if you have a shorted battery. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say. Did you get the the power seat to actually work then? No, no, I, I gave up on that. Oh, you did? You know what? I, I, I don't I, I don't really feel like tracing down all those wires because it goes <laughs> underneath the carpet, and, you know, it's, it's a little bit more than I wanted to take. I thought on. you were going to uh, replace the carpet, though, coming up pretty soon, and, and yeah, that would be a good opportunity for you to. <laughs> that's true. That's on my list. Um, so so instead of that, I said, well, let me see if I can adjust my trunk. Because, as you know, my trunk kind of locked in place yeah. because of the uh, the hinge a few yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah. And it's it's always been a little crooked, and I sometimes get water in there if the rain comes in at the right angle. Yeah. So I said, oh, what the hell, I'll, I'll, I'll try to adjust that. Well, in order to adjust it, you have to loosen the bolts that hold it onto the hinge. And one of the bolts snapped off when uh, I was trying to loosen it up. Wow. <laughs> it's fighting so, you every step of the way. It, it is. It's like, okay, fine. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to leave it alone. Wow. I had a... Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's the next thing on my list. I was like, oh, okay. Take the trunk off and, take, and fish out the broken off <sighs> stud that's in there now. And ugh. Yeah, it just never ends. Yeah. So anyway, so, so tell your story. Oh, I had, yeah, this was uh, uh, recently... Uh, um, I had an issue with the Impala. I was out for uh, the proverbial Sunday drive, and I decided to, uh, I was towards the end of of the drive uh, on my way back to the uh, Car Guys Report warehouse, and um, I stopped at a gas station to uh, squirt a little bit of gas in the the car, you know, just, I don't fill that tank up. I only put, because I've kind of, I used to like tank up all my cars, and now the way I'm I'm driving them, I'd, I'd rather only put in, you know, like half a tank and burn it out and then put another half a tank in instead of having to burn through a whole tank of gas because it's going to take okay. longer. But anyway, whatever, that, that's immaterial here. So I go to, I'm done, I go to start the car, and you get that dreaded nothing. No clicking, nothing. And I was like, wait a minute, I was just driving the car. 
all yeah. of a sudden, you know, and there was people that were checking out my car while I was, I was, um, uh, you know, tanking up. So you just feel like to me, at least I feel embarrassed. I feel like a knob when I'm like, Oh great. My car is not working. And I'm here at the gas station or people are, are checking out my car thinking it's cool. And then all yeah. of a sudden when you have a problem, Every person in the gas station turns into a to a you know an ASC mechanic like oh I think it's your battery or I think it's your alternator or it's got to be this or it's got to be that so I had my jump box with me and I don't and as I've I've said this before on the program that um, I don't drive any of my collector vehicles without having the jump box with me because that will save your bacon more times than than not. It, it saved me with the with the formula. It would have saved me with the Cayenne if I had it in the car at the time a couple of years ago when that battery went out. So the first thing I'm going to do is, is, okay, let's hook up the jump box and see if the car will start. So I hook up the jump box, car starts. I'm like, great, good. So something's screwed up with the battery or whatever. Yeah. So I disc- this is the weird part, though. Then I disconnected the jump box and the car dies. I'm like, that's oh. weird. You know? So I'm like, okay. And I'm not trying to figure out what's wrong at, at this point. I just wanted to get the hell out of there and, and, and get the car, you know, back. So what I did, and you can only do this with a 1950s era car, and this is so awesome. Um, I have a big, I have two jump boxes. I have one of the small lithium battery ones, then, then I have the big one with the lead acid battery, and that's the one I had with me in the Impala. has nice long cables on it, nice big clamps. So I just hooked the jump box up to the battery, brought the cables over the radiator shroud, and dropped the jump box down in front of the radiator off to the side and had it resting on, like, the, you know, the the, the, the frame and the body panels underneath there. And, you know, because there's so much room in the car, and I was able to close the hood <laughs> and drive off. Uh, uh, okay. So the car was running on the, on, the jump, on the jump box, you know, or keep uh. running because of the jump box. And what happened was it was the battery. It was only a, uh, the battery was only two and a half years old. So my what happened was, you know, I've had this happen before that, you know, batteries can short out. And some most of the time what happens is like a, a plate or something uh, starts to loosen up in there and you get like an intermittent short. Um, but in this case, it had to have been a direct short where something actually broke all of a sudden, because that's why I think the car didn't want to run without a battery that was good hooked up to it, because it just knew that there was a direct short there and it, and it couldn't run. It was like not having a battery at all, basically. Um, so that's they replaced the battery, checked everything else out, and everything's fine. So I got a brand new battery in there. But again, the jump box saved my saved my butt, and yeah. it's just and, a, and the short was actually in the battery. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the plates. The plates short. Oh out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. But this was a direct short, you know, where where a plate probably actually just broke. Because it yeah, wasn't an intermittent okay. thing. Because I had a problem many years ago in one of the cars that I owned when when every now and then I'd, I'd be driving. And I don't know if it'd, it'd be every time I hit a bump or something. But it just seemed like, you know, like the, the lights would kind of flicker and stuff. And it was just a weird thing. And then I, and then I had a no-start situation. And it ended up just being the battery. And something in there was, you know, not making contact all the time. But it's just the watchword here is that, you know, batteries, even though... You would think by the year 2020, they'd have battery technology down where, you know, it's perfect and they hardly ever fail. But here it's just like, you know, the car started up perfectly. I always have it on a battery tender, so it's fully charged. It was running perfectly. I turn it off for literally five minutes to tank up on gas and then it and something in there let go and wouldn't want to start. So, 
But luckily, it wasn't a big deal. But again, uh, I'm a big believer in having a jump box with you because it'll it'll definitely save your bacon, and it has yeah. for me several times. So I'd want. It. But the, the the awesome part was that I was able to hook it up and just close the <laughs> close the hood and drive away. It was awesome. Like, you could not do that in a modern car because there's not enough room under the hood. So. I wanted to also talk about, uh, I know that the other thing that you're working on on your limited is is doing the interior, and you had quite a wait for the correct fabric to to come in, and then you're doing the headliner, so talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the the headliner itself is is a a cloth, and it's called a dobby weave, which I'm, I'm not a cloth person, but it's it's kind of like a my my wife is so she was able to help me understand <laughs> what it was, but but it's it's a piece of cloth that has kind of like a built-in design that might be raised up a little mm-hmm. bit. It's kind of like an extra weave sort of that gives like a, a good, pattern to uh, it, like a jacquard print. Yeah, kind of something, but it's not a print though. It's, yeah, it's but it's got different. that raised look to it or feel yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, correct. And so I did a lot of research, and I could not find one online. So. I called, I don't know, if, can I say the name of the company? Sure, that's yeah. Doing it? Okay, so it's, it's Jenkins Interiors, and uh, it, it's run by a guy named Hill Jenkins right now. He's in uh, North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, and his father ran that business for many, many years, and they specialize in Buick and Cadillac interiors. Okay. And, and so remember that 55 Buick for that guy uh, in the local club that he had? It was like a green um, 55 uh, uh, Roadmaster, I believe it yeah. was. Remember him? Yeah. Anyway, so he had his interior done by Jenkins. And okay. Anyway, it, it looked awesome. And so I called this guy and he says, yeah, I think I can get that. Uh, let me see what I can do. And that was about uh, maybe a month and a half ago. And then about two weeks later, he says, yep, I, I was able to find a supplier for that. Wow. Uh, but he, he's, he's backlogged though. Uh, it might take a while to get it, but, but I'll get it for you. So uh, he got it and he put it together and I just got a call from him today, in fact, saying that it's finished. He also recovered my sun visors because you want them to be, you know, using the same material. Okay. Uh, so he said those look awesome and he's going to send me those as well as the headliner so that I can put that in myself. And okay. he said I might get it Monday. Wow. So your seats are done. Well, no, no, that, that's for the headliner. Oh, okay. Okay. But you said he did the sun. Okay, but he said you said he did the the sun visors though. Yeah, the sun visors have the same material on yeah. them as the headlights. Yeah, okay. But then now is this guy then you had to wait though uh to get your correct fabric for your seats though too, right? Yeah, I ordered that from that place in uh in Oregon that specializes in old car SMS materials. Yeah, SMS. Yeah. And so they they sent that and I have that now. But it took uh, you a long time to get that too, didn't you? Didn't it? Yeah, that that took uh, about two and a half months. Wow. As well. Yeah. Um, so and then it's probably because of the pandemic thing, and a lot of companies are at half capacity yeah. or less. You know, yeah. A lot of a lot of them probably get their stuff maybe from China or other places around the world that are not at capacity. Sure. Either, so, um, but I have that now, so now I need to just find a place to do the seats for me. Mm-hmm. And are you going to replace uh, the leather then too? Yeah, the leather, and it's, it's three pieces. It's, got, it's leather, vinyl, and cloth okay. and seats. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get them all replaced, so it'll all be nice. Awesome. And then you're gonna, yeah. you did you did the headliner before on that mm-hmm. car. As, you know, we were talking about this with a couple of other our, some of our other car buddies uh, recently, is um, what's the trick to installing a headliner? Because I know you have the, the metal bows, and are those under tension, or how does that work, you know, when you put it in? Yeah, so th- this car has the, 
metal bows that are not seen, and then there's also trim bows that are seen that are okay. Chrome. Oh yeah, those sure. Yeah, so the ones that are not seen, there's like little pockets in the headliner itself mm-hmm. that you push these yeah. metal rods through, and then you you kind of start. I believe you start at the front. There's there's instructions that usually come with the kits on how to do it, but you you start by um, kind of moving the bow up and locking it into place so that's in the up, most upright position. Okay. And then you kind of start working on the sides around that bow and stapling them in. Along the sides of the interior roof, there's like this kind of oil-impregnated cardboard. So it's maybe uh, maybe an eighth of an inch, three-sixteenths thick. Okay. And then you, you put little staples in there as you pull the cloth tight. Oh, okay. And you just kind of work along it and then staple, staple, staple so that it's all nice and, and tight and, and done. And yeah. then you work on the next bow. You move that one up huh. to the upright position, and then you kind of staple a little bit further. So it's not that hard. It just takes time to do it right. Right, and yeah, and clean hands, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always <laughs> wondered, you know, because you see a lot of cars, and I've had them before, too, that have, you know, the, the that type of headliner. It's not like the new type of headliner they have now where it's like on a plastic or fiberglass type of shell where it's like glued on, you know, that's how they do the modern headliners, but the old fashioned ones like yours, how does a headliner like, like what you have in the, in the 58 limited or what I have in my Impala, how does that get stained? Because a lot of times you'll see staining on it. And I'm like, you know, how, is it water coming in somehow from like the, the doors or the windows or yeah. is it condensation or what is it? Because it, it it's kind of hard to think how that would get stained. Yeah. Well, I learned that. I guess the hard way, because I put the headliner in there 25 years yeah. ago. And so what I did is when I took off the side trim pieces, I said, well, why is this staining? And so I looked, and where each of the places where it was stained, I had a little bit of extra fabric that would kind of go down and almost touch the bottom of the uh, the roof metal itself. Huh. So that as rain would come in. It was wicking it up? It was wicking it up, wow. and then it goes all the way up into the headliner. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. See, now that's cool, because I never would have never thought that would be the cause of it, but that makes sense. Yeah. And so I, in, in all those places, like I say, the, the trimming was not done very well for yeah. me. Uh, so in other places, though, it was fine, because I trimmed it up high enough so that it would not even come close to the water from outside. Okay. <laughs> that's amazing. So hopefully... <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll do it right. Okay. This yeah, time. <laughs> exactly. But that's cool. It's good to know that you're you're um, tackling that once again, and you've learned a couple of tips and tricks to to do an even better job. Do you have any other items to tackle on the on the limited um, after all this stuff is done, or is it just putting everything back together and crossing your fingers and hoping everything will be okay? Yeah, I, like I say, mechanically, I think I'm stopping for now. <laughs> so I'm going to work on the interior stuff and uh, get that going and, and make some progress and make me feel a little bit better about myself. Yeah. And then are you going to do the carpeting then, too, with the seats? Or Yeah, I, I, I did receive that. I, I found a match for that, and then uh, I got it. And it, it's pre-cut and pre-sewn also. Okay. Um, and it actually comes with padding, too. So okay, great. That's, that's a lot nicer, so I can put that in. I'll, I'll probably take the seats out before I do that, obviously, but uh, but then once I do that, then uh, I think it'll start looking looking better and feeling good again. Good, yeah. I can't wait to uh, to see it for uh, what will be next year's uh, car shows and cruise nights with everything hopefully put back together in your car. Yeah, yeah. 
for sure. Uh, I just wanted to take a few minutes right now, Bill, to uh, talk about uh, just a general, what I call a general car bull session. Um, and one of the topics we've kind of touched on it a little bit in the uh, program today is I uh, just wanted to rant a little bit about, you know, I'm, I'm tired of places, specialists, whatever you want to call them, that really take forever to fix or do work on your car. I mean, I understand the uh, allure and the, um, you know, reasons why people are considered specialists. And a lot of times, they unfortunately, they're only like one or two people. So that's one of the reasons why it takes forever to, to work on your stuff. But you've had recent experiences where you've been de- waiting forever. I've had experiences where I'm waiting forever. I mean, what's the deal? I mean, do they think that it's okay for you to like just drop your car off and wait six months for it to be fixed? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and you know, part of me thinks, you know what, I could start a business like that. And if I'm half as fast as these people, <laughs> you do okay. I, 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 yeah, right. I know. I, my business would be booming. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. I mean, when I had my Alpha Romeo Spider restored, I brought it to a local uh, nationally recognized specialist and you know he's more or less a one-man shop and he did it he you know he had the he was working with the body shop and you know that was basically a full restoration you know suspension body he didn't do the body work obviously but he did all the mechanical work rebuilt the engine the transmission the entire chassis did a lot of uh, miscellaneous stuff wiring and stuff in the interior and you know the whole process there took about a year and i think that's totally acceptable because you're talking about restoring an entire car um including all the body work and everything but you know not to get into a big thing right now but you know i've had my firebird at a local body shop just getting what i call sympathetic paint repair done on it and that thing is just dragging on a year and a half now and i'm about to pull my hair out because it's like come on it shouldn't, you know, it's one of these things where I just want to work on it on the weekends and stuff. And I'm like, but, you know, it's like I'm paying as much as anybody else. Just put it in the queue and get it done. And right. that's, you know, right. luckily I don't need the car right now because I've got plenty of other stuff. And so it's not really causing me an inconvenience, so to speak, but it's still just a pain in the ass. And mm-hmm. even I've had issues even with, um, you know, like my Saab where I brought it up to a specialist and our our friend Gordy, who is the of the Volvo um aficionado um that we know and he's brought his volvos to different places you know that we're sitting there waiting four weeks six weeks eight weeks to get some kind of fairly minor mechanical work done and i'm like really you know like you said it's like you could do it in half the time <laughs> you have yeah. plenty of work to do so that's yeah. one reason i like taking it to some people that might not be considered necessarily specialists in the mark but if they can turn your car around in three days and do a good job i'd much rather give them the, the business than a so-called specialist who's going to just take forever and sometimes i think they take advantage of you because one thing i always say is i'm not in a hurry for it because you know i have so many cars but i think that's the wrong thing to say because then they'll go like oh okay great well we'll just you know take your car and we'll shove it in the back and get to it whenever you know we have time and then it languishes but i just yeah go ahead so so would you rather be told those excuses or you know and just kind of keep waiting and say okay fine we'll give them another month or in my experience i brought my some of the trim pieces to a re-chroming place yeah a, a stainless steel polisher and it was taking forever and i finally called him and said hey what's going on i mean come on i only gave you a couple of pieces he says, honestly, between you and I, you're small potatoes to me. Wow. And 
because I have a lot of high-end shops that do Auburns and Duesenbergs and, you know, Packards and stuff like that, and they give me a lot of work, so I'm going to satisfy them first. Well, that's just basically saying, you know, screw you. Yeah. And you're paying the same amount as anyone else. Who cares if it's a small job? I mean, a lot of places advertise, no job too small. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. bullshit. So then you took the stuff back, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way as what you were just saying. Forget it. Yeah. I mean, that that's that, that takes a lot of gall for a place like that to tell a customer that you basically don't matter to us because, you know, your your stuff is just too insignificant. That's bullshit. Yeah. That is yep. total bullshit. Um, no, I, 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 you know, I, I've been tempted to just say, like, just give me my Firebird back. But the worst thing you can do is, you know, when it comes to body work, you don't want to get a body work that's half done and try to take it to somebody else and have them finish somebody else's work as, as far as body work goes. I mean, mechanical work, it, it's a little different, but that is a bad thing where if they've already started work on your car, that's when they kind of have you because it's hard to just pull a car from it when it's half done and hopefully have somebody else be able to fix it. Although Gordy's gotten close to that where he's just saying, like, just give me my car back and I'll take it somewhere else. And that's what you really have to tell some of these places sometimes, I think, is the fact that, look, you guys have had more than enough time to fix the car, and everyone charges 100 or $150 an hour anyway these days. It's not like you're getting a deal. Right. And, yeah, so it's just like, screw you. I'll take it somewhere else. So, yeah, that's just one of my major gripes, and I just don't know what the solution is. Um, Maybe that's a possible opportunity for the car guys report. <laughs> start, start your own business. Yeah. <laughs> Tell people where they should take their cars and where they shouldn't take their cars. Yeah, there you go. Have a little rating scale. (laughs) We'll have to work on that. We'll see. Uh, Also did want to talk just a little bit of miscellaneous car talk here. I know that you've had your BMW, and I want to say it's a 228iX or XI. Correct, And it's the two-door convertible, all-wheel drive, and it's a 2018 16. Okay. And you've, you've had that car now. You bought it used. You've had it a little bit over a year. And I just, and it's funny because at the top of the show, we were talking about how me, traditionally an import buyer, is sitting there not being totally converted, but starting to be converted to a domestic car buyer. And for all the years I've known you, you've pretty much been 95% of the time a domestic car buyer. And here you go and buy a BMW. You know, any, um, you know, how has your experience been uh, a year? Gripes, kudos, anything like that? Things you like or don't like about the car? Um, I, I like driving the car. I like the convertible. Um, it, it's kind of got an annoying thing on the passenger side seatbelt. When I put the top down and if there's no one riding in the passenger seat, the seatbelt itself, when the wind blows, it kind of like bangs against the side of the, the door. Oh, okay. Which is annoying. Yeah. So I, I end up having to fasten it, just even though there's no passenger there, <laughs> just to, to stop it from flying yeah. around. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a little annoying. Uh, otherwise, it's it's been great. I, I like it. It's it's got all the options that I want, and um, it's it's pretty fun to drive. And uh, the convertible, I'm getting used to too, because it's it's kind of one of those where the top. Uh, kind of folds into the back and the the back trunk kind of opens oh yeah up there's and it folds in yeah there, yeah so the hard boot or whatever you want to call it the yeah, the, the lid right. yeah which is awesome that's that's how a lot of convertibles are these days a nice clean look when the uh, top is down how did you like the have you been able to really test out the all wheel drive like in in any winter weather uh, with snow or rain or anything like that you know honestly no I mean last winter we didn't we didn't have get a ton that much snow, snow yeah. 
and and my wife, we, we uh, took the train going downtown before the COVID thing happened, and we would take her car a lot of times because it uh, was a little bit more roomy, and she liked to drive it, so it was fine. And my car would sit pretty much in the garage. Yeah. So, uh, so again, in fact, a year later, I mean, I've only put like six thousand miles wow. on that car. Wow. Yeah. You're like me. <laughs> yeah. You barely put any miles on any of your cars. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a good experience, and you you uh, you're happy with it. Obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely, and then everything still works fine. And you know, I I, I enjoy the uh, entertainment system, I'm, and I'm used to the uh, the software, which is kind of a step up for me too. On, on, on oh that. yeah, yeah. The whole multimedia interface things and the touch oh, yeah. screens and stuff. Yeah, it's a whole new world. One thing it's I'm got the, the hands free phone and all that kind of. Oh yeah, Bluetooth and yeah. It's yep. one thing I'm 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 really happy that. Dodge did not do with the Challenger, and I think they did this on purpose because they know it's a muscle car and they they want to make sure that that they're not annoying the driver. That thankfully, my brand new Challenger does not have start stop on it, which I think is awesome because <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. I know you have it on your car. Does it bug you? Have you gotten used to it? Do you keep it on? Do you defeat it? What do you do? In the winter time, I turn it off. Um, which is nice because I'm glad that you have that option. To oh, do yeah. That. Um, and mainly because when you're sitting at a stoplight, sometimes it'll have to kick on in order to keep your heater going. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and same with your air conditioning, too. So if you're, you know, if you're sitting there for a long time, it's like, well, you know, I, I need to have that engine running. Sure. So usually in the wintertime, I'll just let it go on all the time. I'll, I'll turn off the stop start. Yeah. Uh, until it's like you know springtime, and then I'll turn it back on to save a little bit of money. And yeah. gas, I guess. But yeah, some. I, I don't see. I'd, I'd like to see how much you really do save. No, it's 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 know. literally very very marginal. About three or four years ago, not even four years ago, I don't think. Uh, one of the um, car magazines, I can't remember if it was Car and Driver or Road and Track or whatever, they had a long term um, test on on a BMW with start stop, and I think the 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 tester over the course of the year did some kind of figuring how much they're actually saving with the start stop. And it was minuscule. I mean, it's minuscule. It was like, you know, not even, a, you know, maybe at best a couple tenths of a mile of a gallon. I mean, just really, really small. And I just think the, the additional, you know, they keep saying, Oh, the starters are designed for that. And I'm like, are they really, you know? And the thing that annoys me is, and I don't know if you've noticed this, you probably have since you have a convertible and you drive, drive with the top down. I notice it as a pedestrian more than a driver, but when you're at an intersection and the light's red and the cars are just idling there and then when the light turns green, you hear all these cars start up. It's like yeah. a, you know, like the start of the Le Mans race or something. All of a sudden, you hear all these cars firing up. I just think that is so annoying. It's like it, Jim Neighbors singing. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it bugs me. And it's just like, I just think, you know, I, I, I will rail on start-stop, you know, till the cows come home. I just think it's it's the dumbest modern thing they have right now. And it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that, that, that Dodge had the foresight to not put it on the, uh, on the challenger. Luckily, like you said, though, you can defeat it. Cause there are some cars, I believe there's some GM products where you cannot turn it off. And oh. yeah, it's just like, whatever, but <laughs> it's just, it's just annoying. Does your, does your wife's car, or the Sentra or the Altima, does that have start stop on it or no, it, it doesn't? Does okay. That's good. That's good, but um, good. Well, I'm glad that you've had a, a positive experience so far with the um, 
with the uh, BFW. When you're listening to the Car Guys Report, you can catch us on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. The list just keeps on growing. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio. We're on all those platforms. Just search for Radio Misfits. And the best thing about uh, podcasting, especially with Radio Misfits, is all our programs are free, and it's listening on your own terms. You can fast-forward, rewind, replay. You can listen in the park in the car at home, whether you're listening on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop, wherever you are, whatever kind of device you're listening on, you will find us. And when you listen to the Car Guys Report, be sure to subscribe to it. You get an automatic push notification once a week. We drop our programs on Tuesdays now. Made your week that much better. And you'll get an automatic notification whenever there is new content, which is once a week. And also, too, please uh, keep those uh, positive reviews coming. We've got uh, several positive reviews on on Apple Podcasts, and we certainly would like to get uh, some more of your positive comments. And uh, again, you can just find us on opishows.com or radiomisfits.com. That's where you will find the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with our Buick specialist, Bill Kubik, today, uh, Lou is out for a, a drive. Just wanted to do a quick promo for Lou's YouTube channel. It's called My Car Story with Lou. It's a very popular YouTube channel that he's got. He's got over 1,500 car videos, over 80,000 subscribers to his channel. And every time, except for today, because Lou's not with us, we do the My Car Story with Lou Car Guys Report guessing game, where Lou will give me uh, three cars that he has featured on his uh, YouTube channel. And I have to try to guess which one had the most views in uh, descending order. And sometimes I hit it out of the park. Sometimes I'm completely off base. It's always a lot of fun. And it also highlights some of the really cool stuff that Lou has on his YouTube channel. So check it out when you have a chance. It's My Car Story with Lou on YouTube, and it's all part of the Car Guys Report guessing game that we play here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, it's a funky Cadillac station wagon plus some of the best production engines that you can uh, currently buy. It's just been uh, a great episode uh, with our uh, Buick specialist, Bill Kubik, just wanted to thank you once again, Bill, for taking the time out of your schedule to join us once again on the Car Guys Report. Once again, your depth of knowledge and your enthusiasm for everything automotive has shined through brightly just as much as your ammeter is into the positive uh, <laughs> territory. Any closing <laughs> thoughts or anything like that uh, that you'd like to bestow upon us before we sign off here? Uh, not really. It's just been fun to have uh, have the, the conversation with you as well, Mark, and, and wear those masks. <laughs> Great. I will. And I know you've got yours on, too. But, no, we are seriously taking that. Uh, we are taking yeah. that seriously. So, Bill, thanks again for being a guest here on the show. And thanks so much to you for um, tuning in, taking us along for the ride here on the Car Guys, Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. We would be nothing without our loyal listeners, so I wanted to big, say a big thank you to them as well. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H-Shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com.
Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. With everybody being indoors during COVID and rediscovering board games, we talked to filmmaker, documentarian Scott Peterson, who did Scrabble on. The underbelly of the Scrabble world. Listen to the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com. Amazon, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Los Anno or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. Can women play in sports with men? Mm -hmm. My argument is that I don't think they can. I'm just saying if they can do it... Let them do it. If they can't do it, it's the same qualifications. Evie and I were talking about basketball, and she doesn't feel that women could play basketball. But then she described this guy named Derek Rose. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know enough about this stuff. But she was like, he's like a girl. Well, okay. Um, Holy hold on, shit. hold on. This is awesome. Oh, my he, God. Tony, Tony says things. Tony says things just for people. Yeah, Mike, Mike dropped. <laughs> yeah. First yes, of is. all, first of all, Tony doesn't even know Derek Rose. Uh, I said that a girl, because there's a WNBA, and, and I think women are incredible athletes and they're incredible competitors. Um, but I don't think that they could play at the same level as professional you said as a man. Boring and slow. All right, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Misfits, get more. Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever it's called. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's a short list of some of our favorite movie cars, plus a funky caddy hardtop station wagon. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.